0: In just a moment, you'll be listening to a message that was given by Pastor Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church in Pampa, Texas. We encourage you to give attention to the message and to follow along in your Bible. Last year, Susie and I had some airline miles available to us, and so I booked us a trip to fly out to Florida. So the flights were free. We knew what dates we were going, obviously. And any time we get to go to Florida is a time that we look forward to on our calendar. Now, as we had the free flights out to Florida, we also had some points available to us by way of hotel. And so we did something that we have never done before. We used extra points and stayed at a hotel that was directly on the beach, okay? So you could come down from our room, go out the lobby, go down a single flight of stairs, and you were looking at the Atlantic Ocean. We had never done anything like that before. We ate our breakfast out there every morning on the patio, and we watched the sun come up. It was really, for us, the coolest thing that we had ever experienced. It was wonderful. So on the days that we were there, Enjoying that, I also fed Susie very well. She got to pick where we ate for almost all the meals, and then after every meal, I made sure to feed her ice cream. I can never go wrong feeding her ice cream. So we're at a hotel that's on the beach. We're watching the sun come up. We're listening to the waves crash in. We're enjoying our meals. We're eating the ice cream. Everything's good and everything's wonderful, So guess what Susie said to me more than once on this trip? She said, babe, thank you so much. This is wonderful. Oh, this is so relaxing. Babe, this is just, this is fantastic. This is good. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I heard that several times on the trip. Now I say that to say this. Suppose I came to Susie and I said, listen, it's been a few months since we've had a vacation by the water. It's been a few months since we've had those mornings where we could get up and watch the sun rise over the water. And suppose I said to her, I want to do that again. Do you think she'd be excited? You better believe it. She'd start thinking, where are we going? Oh, this sounds good. That sounds great. And suppose I said to her, I'm going to feed you good, baby. I'm going to let you decide where we go eat. I'm going to let you decide the meals, and, and every night I'll buy you more ice cream. You think she's getting excited about the potential? I promise you she is. So if she finally broke down and said, "Babe, I just got to know where are we going?" And I said, I'm glad you asked. The city lake. I've got the tent ready for the back of our pickup. I've got the spot reserved where you can unzip the the back of the tent and and you can just sit there and watch the sunrise over the city lake while you eat your granola bar. How excited do you think she's going to be in that moment? And if I actually forced her to go through with the trip like that, How much do you think I would hear, oh, baby, this is wonderful. Oh, baby, this is great. Oh, thank you. This is so relaxing. This is just what I've always wanted. Do you think I would hear anything like that? I can promise you that would not be what I heard. Now, what's my point? My point is this. As a person, I would be the exact same person. The person that I was last year in Florida would be the exact same person that I would be at the city lake. And so you would think there would be that same level of appreciation, but what would she struggle with? She would struggle with her attitude, not because I am different, but because the circumstances are different. That makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, if somebody told me I had to go camp by city lake for five days, I'd have an attitude problem. A couple of days, no big deal, but to do it for a week, that, that would be a problem. And, and so I'm trying to show us this principle that, that, that if it was all good and if it was all what she had hoped for and, and all that she had dreamt of, boy, the attitude would be great. But if I gave her something less than desirable, because the circumstances were different, the attitude would certainly struggle. Now, as we think on that, I, I want us to give some attention to the ministry of the Apostle Paul. I want us to think about his ministry and what he enjoyed over the years that God gave him in the realm of preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. We understand, we know, we're aware of this fact that the Apostle Paul got to travel much of the known world in their day that's something that would have been a privilege. That's something that a lot of people would have never experienced, would have never known. A lot of people would have never left their village or left their city. And so for the Apostle Paul to get to travel and to see so much of the world that they had available to them at the time, that in itself was a great privilege. From the aspect or from the viewpoint of being in the ministry, imagine what the Apostle Paul got to experience on many occasions He he, he was able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and see the Spirit of God work in the heart and life of a person, of a family, of an entire unit. And he was able to see people under conviction call unto the Lord for salvation. And he was able to witness people go from death unto life. I just want us to to give some, some thought to that. There is nothing better than watching someone get saved. And that is something that the Apostle Paul got to witness on who knows how many occasions. Multiple, multiple occasions. Getting to see someone, getting to pray with someone as they, as they asked the Lord to save them. Boy, those had to be highlight moments of his ministry. So here's a man who got to travel, who got to see the world in in different capacities, and he was able to preach the gospel and, and watch as people got saved. And then he was able to see people who did not just get saved, but people who began to grow in their walk with God. I just wanted to to say this again from from my perspective and what I think some of you would understand. It's, It's a glorious thing to see someone get saved. It's a glorious thing to witness someone ask Christ to save them. But when you see that person begin to take steps in spiritual maturity, well, that's thrilling. Because that doesn't happen in everyone's life. And so there were those people and there were those names and there were those faces and there were those families where, where they didn't just get saved, but they got it. They really got it. They really understood it. and They really determined within their heart, God, I'm going to serve you and God, I'm going to be faithful and God, I'm not going to be some flaky, you know, fly by night kind of a Christian. No, I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm just telling you that had to have encouraged Paul in ways that, that so many people in their day did not understand. So as he enjoyed the ministry that God gave him, he was able to travel, he was able to preach, he was able to see souls saved, he was able to see people grow in their walk with God, and then at the appropriate times, he saw churches being birthed. Something that he knew when he left the area There is a nucleus of believers. There is a core set of believers. And from there, they would grow and they would reach people in their community. They would reach people in their cities. And and I know that we don't have all the interaction that Paul had with different churches. That would have been impossible. So think about this. When when Paul was in a different location and someone came to him with a report about this church thriving and this church doing well and this church is expanding and, and this church just continues to reach more people. Now, I mean, just think about how awesome that had to be for the Apostle Paul. That's why he was doing what he was doing. To try to make an impact on the lives of individuals. So here is Paul, and what is he doing? He's getting to travel, he's getting to preach, he's getting to see people saved, he's getting to see some people grow. He's watching as churches are birthed, he's watching as churches are, are, are following in obedience to, to the Lord's leadership, and, and they're continuing to be effective in their communities and in their cities in one way or another. This is what Paul gets to enjoy. So notice what Paul said in the last part of verse number 18. In the last part of verse number 18, he said, To whom be glory forever and ever. Now in verse number 18, the first part of it, it's obvious that he is speaking of the Lord. So here is what Paul declares in verse number 18 of the Lord. He said, of him or to him be glory forever and ever. Whenever he speaks of forever and ever, what is he speaking of? He is speaking of eternity. I mean, that's the only thing that is forever and ever is eternity. And so he says of the Lord that to him be glory forever and ever or eternally or for all eternity. Now, I know you know this, but I just want to go over this very quickly for those who may not I want us to think about this word, glory. Think about the word glory. What does it mean? It means this praise or honor. Praise or honor. So what is Paul saying of the Lord as it relates to the ministry that God has given him? He is saying this, that it is to the Lord that he is worthy of praise and honor, and he is worthy of this praise and he is worthy of this honor eternally. He is saying you could never praise or give glory or, or honor too much to the Lord. He is deservant of it always, forever, and ever. Now that makes perfect sense, does it not, when you think about his travels? That makes perfect sense when you think about his privilege to preach. That makes perfect sense when you think about the number of people he got to hear call upon Christ for salvation. It makes perfect sense when you think about the number of people he got to watch grow in their walk with God. It makes perfect sense when you think about the number of churches he was able to see birth and grow and and do everything they were supposed to do. That makes perfect sense for Paul to declare in this statement that God is worthy of glory forever and ever But we need to be reminded of something. It's not in the midst of all this that Paul says God is worthy of glory forever and ever. Where is Paul at? You ought to know this by now, and I'm sure you do, but Paul's in a prison in Rome. He's in a dungeon and he is tethered to to something by way of chains. And and, and some people suggest that in this dungeon that he would have been in, he he would have been naked and it would have been wet and it would have been cold. and, And the circumstances would have just been miserable for the Apostle Paul. And the Apostle Paul is awaiting execution It's just a matter of time. I mean, this is what Paul has talked about to Timothy, how he's ready to be offered up. He's he's fought the good fight. He's done all these things. This is where Paul is at in his spiritual life or in his personal life. And in his spiritual life, it's not in the midst of the highs. It's not in the midst of the successes. It's not in the midst of those glory moments. No, it's in the midst of him being in a dungeon that he says, you know what? The Lord is still worthy of glory and praise and honor forever and ever. When everything was perfect, when everything was ideal, kind of like a sunrise over the Atlantic Ocean, we could understand why the Apostle Paul would declare, he is worthy of glory forever and ever, but... But when he's standing or sitting and, and tethered to, to chains to, to the walls there in, in, in the dungeon, for him to say that, it's like, my goodness. That's an amazing declaration. The two environments don't even begin to compare. Yet Paul's outlook is the same. He is worthy of glory And honor and praise. I want to ask you this evening to answer a question. I think I know the answer, but I'm just going to ask you to answer this question, anyways. How many of us have had those perfect moments in life? some of you may sit and say, I've never had a perfect moment in my life. Okay, how many of us have had those near perfect moments in our lives? Yeah, I mean, we've all had those, whether we like to admit it or not. Some of you would be like, nope, 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 not even near perfect. My life has always stunk. Well, there, there's probably some reasons for that, but, but, but let's think about this. Most of us have had what we would call those, those man, thank you, Lord, moments. Boy, this is going good and this is going good and things are going well here and and it's good here and life is good here. and, And it's like everything we look at and everything we give consideration to, we just have to pause and say, man, that's of you, God. We've had those moments. It's not hard in those moments to say of the Lord that he is worthy of glory and honor and praise forever and ever. I mean, just for myself, nobody else. I've just, like you, I've enjoyed those seasons where I just think, man, Lord, stop. It just, I feel guilty. It's so good right now. Lord, you deserve all the glory and all the honor and all the praise. But what's happened to every one of us? Vacation ends. Just to try to stick with the analogy, vacation ends. And then what is it? It's called back to reality to an extent. And all the fun and all the glory is gone. And and all of a sudden, you're you're just in the grind of things. and, And before long, you find yourself in a completely different set of circumstances than you were once enjoying. Everything that was right is now wrong. You're looking at this saying, what happened here? You're looking at this saying, how did this mess up? You're looking at this saying, I just don't get it. It's like the wheels fell off. Now follow this. Whether it's a glory, hallelujah, shouting kind of a moment, though we may not do that stuff, but but whether it be one of those moments or one of those rough moments, we need to be reminded of this. The only thing that has changed is our circumstances. But our God has not changed one bit. So we may be at the city lake of life, so to speak, and it may not compare to the great, grand, glorious moments that we were having sometime prior, Our circumstances may be different, but our God is still the same. And if our God has not changed, then you know what we need to be able to say? We need to be able to say like Paul, God, you are still worthy of glory and praise and honor. Things might be falling apart here, but God, you're still worthy of glory. And things may not be what I'd like them to be over here, but God, you're still worthy of honor. Things may be, just may be a mess here with this situation, but God, you're still worthy of glory. It doesn't matter what our circumstances are, because of who we serve, he is worthy of glory and honor and praise. Now we know that. But the attitude struggles sometimes, doesn't it? So there's a couple of things here in verse number 18 that I think we can see that might be of help to us to help us give glory unto the Lord forever and ever, even when the circumstances are not favorable. Notice what it says in verse number 18. Paul said, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice what he said in that first part. He said, and the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work. What is an evil work? An evil work would be a wicked action or a wicked deed done against him. So Paul makes this declaration to Timothy in this letter that the Lord is going to deliver him from every evil work, every evil deed, every wicked action. He's going to deliver me. He is going to save me. He is going to rescue me. Now, if we didn't know better, here's what one person or one group may think. Well, the Apostle Paul sure didn't know what was about to happen to him, did he? He was of the mindset that God was going to supernaturally, miraculously deliver him, and he wasn't going to be beheaded there in Rome. Well, he didn't know that, or he sure wouldn't have written the last part of it. Here is what I think is clear from the previous verses of this chapter. I think the Apostle Paul was clear on this, that death would have been the ultimate source of deliverance. We already know that the Apostle Paul wrestled with his heart and his mind and his emotions. He wanted to go to heaven, but he knew it was more profitable to stay on this earth and, and minister to people. So, so the Apostle Paul already wrestled with where he wanted to be and where he thought he needed to be. And so think about this. The, 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 the idea of death was not something that could scare him or sway him or deter him in this In this exercise of giving glory to God. Follow this. It is obvious that Paul lived eternally. And I don't mean his soul and his spirit, though that is the case. But the Apostle Paul lived with eternity in view. Okay, so I'm here in a dungeon and I'm tethered to, to, to these things with the chains. And, and, and I'm unable to, to move about like I would want to. And, and I might be you know, slain at some point. My life might be taken. Well, to God be the glory. Ultimate deliverance. I'm going home to heaven. I'll lay this burden down. This life will be done. And, and, and I'll not have the cares and the troubles and, and the concerns that I've had all these years. You know what would help us immensely to continue to give God the glory and the honor and praise in the midst of hard times? If we stopped living with a temporal mindset and lived with an eternal mindset. I'm going through a really hard time right now. And that's no fun. I get it. We, we all go through the hard times. But think about this hard time in relation to eternity. It's nothing we're having this struggle, we're having this issue, we're, we're wrestling with this, the family is this, it's just a mess right now. I understand this isn't ideal by way of circumstances, but God is still worthy of praise Because we're going to enter into eternity one day and we'll be in the presence of God forever and ever. We'll be in the presence of the one who saved us. So if I'll think about that, if you'll think about that in the midst of our hard times, we'll still be able to give God glory. If we'll live in light of eternity rather than in light of all that's going on around us, it'll be a whole lot easier to say, God, You're still worthy of glory, and I'm going to do that until my dying breath. But notice what else he said in verse number 18. He said, not only will he deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom. God is going to preserve me. Again, if you just look at his circumstances, it doesn't look like there's a whole lot of preservation taking place. It doesn't look like God is, is delivering on his end of the bargain to, to deliver. And it doesn't look like he's delivering on his, his promise to preserve. But, but what does it mean to preserve? It means this, well, to keep safe or to meet one's needs, to provide what's required for the moment. Preserve did not mean in just a moment these chains are about to fall off and I'm going to walk out of here a free man and I'm going to resume my ministry teaching and preaching and seeing people saved. It just meant this, that he is going to preserve me until he said we reach the heavenly kingdom. God is going to keep me safe, meet my needs, and provide what is required at the moment. You know what helps us? Give glory unto God when circumstances aren't favorable. When we remember that God has promised to meet our every need for the moment. Because if we think about that, if we reflect on it, we realize that's exactly what he's done. God has met every one of my needs along the way. You know this, and and, and we're all aware of this, but I'm going to say it again. Have there been some times we didn't get all of our wants given to us? Well, of course. He never promised to provide our wants. But God has promised to provide our needs. None of us have gone without what we needed. No, I absolutely needed that, and God didn't give it. No, you absolutely didn't need it, or God would have given it. So when we stop and consider, when we stop and reflect that God has always given me what I need, and God will always give me what I need, even though it may not be what I want, if I will remember the faithfulness of God, I'll be able to give Him glory forever and ever endeavor. So if you're sitting on the beach of life right now, yes, he is worthy of glory. And if you're eating a granola bar at the city lake on the back end of a tent, he's still worthy of glory. Circumstances do not determine whether or not he is worthy. He is worthy because he is God. If you've appreciated this message from Kyle Olsfeld of Grace Baptist Church, Let us know by contacting us on our website at gbcpampa.com or on our Facebook page, Grace Baptist Church, Pampa, Texas.